Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by our special guest speaker. Turn to Isaiah 9. We don't really have time for the normal introductions as we normally do them, but I do want you to say hello to my daughter right over here, Caroline. Will you stand up, give everybody a wave? I know you love this. She's 14. Can you believe that? Amen. Love her. She was born right here. And Jonathan, I'm sure, is terrorizing those back in children's ministries. He's 11 years old and six feet tall. It's weird. But uh, I, uh, I'm so honored to be here. For us, this is, feels like home every time we come here. I mentioned a pastor 16 years to the day is when we, our first Sunday, and folks in this room including that man that I love right there, <laughs> laid hands on us. And um, welcome to sin as a youth pastor, and our lives were never the same. And we left here, a place I like to refer to as Camelot. Um, I think everybody here loved us. Uh, everybody loved Rhea, everybody loved me, but, but Gary Blunt. But other than that, uh, everybody else did. <laughs> I'm just joking. But uh, we left here and we went to Texas and got sentenced to 11 years hard labor. At least that's what it's felt like. But we're glad to be here. Thank you for your courtesy. Now, you are, you are used to Pastor Tom Sturbins. Um, and he is not only the smartest person I've ever met in my life. Um, but he is, he is, uh, someone that comes along once in uh, a generation where God seems to deposit a, um, an understanding to God's word, an understanding of God's word and coupled with his fidelity to God's word and his ability to communicate God's word. Just, it just becomes this miraculous thing and he's touched my life. And he's like that all the time, whether we're, you know, alone and talking or whether he's up here, uh, it's always the same and it's always just really unbelievable. Uh, and so today, for those of you who are first time, you're not going to get any of that and uh, you're going to have to come back for that. And everyone that's going to be here today and listen to me. I need you to just turn to your neighbor and say, lower your expectations. Just just turn to them, say, lower. Just bring them on down, way on down. All right? I am not Tom Sturbins. I'm Buck Marshall. So you can close your dictionary and get your lawyer off speed dial. You're going to be understanding all the words that I say today. Amen. It's just fun. Isaiah 9, the beginning of this year, I received the word of the Lord. For me personally, I was in a worship setting at midnight from when it clicked over to January 1st at a church that I don't go to, surrounded by a couple thousand people I didn't know. And suddenly as my eyes were closed, I heard my name being shouted uh, uh, through the loudspeaker. And I heard, Buck and Rhea Marshall. And the pastor of that church began to prophesy over us. And 
he began to read Isaiah 9. Will you look at, look at verse 2? The people who walk in darkness will see a great light, and those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. What began that night was the Lord uh, really spoke to me to dive into this word and study it. And some versions say in the day of Midian or at the battle of Midian. Either way, it's a reference to Judges uh, chapter 6 and 7. And so I want you to turn there. Go to Judges chapter 6. And as I dove into this, the Lord revealed a lot of things to me and he told me, that this year I'd go all over the country and release this to different bodies. The only one that I knew for sure that I was going to release it to is here, you, today. It's the only one he told me by name. Released a version of this in, in L.A. and Palm Springs and Detroit and New York and Tampa, Florida and Texas and all kinds of places. Uh, but this is the one he told me by name that sometime this year I would come here and deliver this word. Is that all right? This is a lot more fun if you talk. Is this okay? Yeah. Amen. Look at Judges chapter 1. Now we've got to read a little bit, so don't start the time yet. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel because of Midian. The sons of Israel made for themselves the dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. And they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza. And leave no sustenance in Israel as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. And they would come in like locusts for number. Both they and their camels were innumerable. And they would come into the land to devastate it. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. Now I want you to skip to verse 11 for time's sake. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which, was, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. Stop right there. Some versions say threshing wheat. <clears throat> I, I normally read this whole thing and then come back to it, but it's a lot to read, so we'll just read as we go. He's beating out wheat. Um, this is a, he's in a second step of a process. The next step is he's going to have to winnow it. Right now he's beating it and breaking it apart, uh, trying to get the kernel out of the husk. Um, and so, I need to see something. Okay. And so, um, he is doing this in a wine press. Now, uh, after he does this, what he's going to have to do is he's going to need to separate uh, the wheat from the chaff, the stuff that doesn't belong to it. That's the winnowing part. And he's going to need some wind to do that. Uh, normally, this takes place on a threshing floor. Can you throw that first picture up on the screen? Um, this is a threshing floor in 
Do you have that? Did that get back there? There it is. Look at that. That's a threshing floor. Wait, 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 wait. Go back. Just leave that up for a minute. Where is that? I'm not talking about the city. Where is that? Outside. Somebody say outside. Why is it outside? Because you need what? You need wind. Okay. Where is he? He's inside. Now, they didn't have inside threshing floors at this time. That would become more common later. And, uh, and they would have an indoor threshing floor, but they would, they would have it positioned to where they could open both sides of these walls, open up on either end and create a wind tunnel. And they would have to create a barrier so that the wheat that was being threshed wouldn't uh, go out the door. That's why we call it a thresh hold. That's why it's there. Just that's not extra. There's no cost for that. And, uh, and so, but at this time with this writing, this is where the threshing floor is. But this, look at the next picture. This is where he is. He's in a wine press. What do we call that? Very simple. Oh, I'm in Tennessee. Y'all got it. LA, they had no idea. They had all kinds of words. Tennessee, we know what that is. That's a hole. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's a hole in the ground. Okay? It's a hole. And do you see what's at the bottom of the hole? You're so good. That's another hole. Have you ever been inside a hole in a hole? This is where Gideon is. This is where Gideon is. And he's beating out. Does it look like he's going to lose a lot of kernels in there? Do you think he's going to have a lot of success when he gets to winnowing? Without any wind. No. Why is he doing it then? He's hiding. Why is he hiding? He's afraid of the Midianites. Because if they find out that he successfully makes a loaf of bread, what are they going to do? They're going to take it. They're going to take his bread. And they're going to eat it. Right? So he's hiding it from them so he can try to feed his family. So he's ill-equipped trying to do something in a place that's not designed for what he's trying to do. This is when God shows up. Don't you love that? Verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Now we're going to read several things that are really stupid. You ready? Say yes. Then Gideon said to him, Oh Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are, where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord's abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord looked at him and said, something else really dumb. Go in this, your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? I guess you're more spiritual than me. I read that. I was like, that's dumb. And he said to him, oh, Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest of my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat Midian as one man. Well, praise the Lord. None of that made any sense. You understand? This man is in a hole in a hole, trying to beat out some bread Make some, miss, some wonder bread in a hole that's supposed to be for wine. They're supposed to throw a bunch of grapes in there and press them down. And then it goes in that other hole that goes into a channel, which goes into another chamber of another hole in the ground 
to get wine. And here he is hiding out. He's afraid of Midian because they have devastated everything around him. For seven long years. And the angel of the Lord shows up and goes, hail, valiant warrior. And if that had been me or you, we would have said, who are you talking to? Hail, mighty warrior. Hail, valiant one. You're like, what are you, ta- what are you talking about? The Lord is with you. Oh, the Lord's with me. Hey, oh, is he? He's here in the hole. The Lord's in the hole with me. If the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Maybe you never asked that question. But I have. If the Lord is with me, why has this happened to me? Why am I going through this? And what about all these miracles we like to talk about? Sing about? Where's all that happen? Where's that at? I'd like to have a little bit of that. Huh? Hello, are you here? Anybody ever gone through something like that? Where it seemed like everything that you held precious was taken from you and stuff that you tried to do and produce that the fruit of it was robbed from you and you get to this moment and the Lord wants to show up and tell you, hello, how you doing? (laughs) Well, I'm doing pretty bad. Thanks for asking. How about you take a couple of bricks out of them streets and go and bring them on down, baby? Right? Sometimes I just feel like, I feel like that meme I see on Facebook sometimes. I get so low, I just need a hug and somebody to give me a million dollars and it'll all be better. <laughs> just, a, just a hug and a check. Why has all this happened to us? And the Lord is so moved with compassion for the cry of his heart that he don't answer his question at all. Do y'all read the Bible? He did not answer his question. He said, go in this, your strength. What, What strength? What are you talking about? Go in this, your strength. See, have I not sent you? No, I don't see it. I don't see nobody been sent. I'm not even out of the hole yet. Do you understand what I'm saying? We love to read the Bible like these are Dickens characters, but this was a real man in a hole of a hole, hiding from an enemy that had devastated everything he had ever known. And the Lord showed up and tried to tell him he was a valiant warrior while he was making bread. Now, maybe you've never had God show up to you and say, hail, Captain Kirk. And you looked around and said, I ain't got no starship. But this is what he's talking about. And in that moment, he does not answer. Look at the angel of the Lord. If you just read everything he said and forget the questions that Gideon's asking and the accusations that Gideon is making and the frustration that he is communicating, here's what he says to him. Uh, wait, here it is worth waiting on. Uh, the Lord is with you. O valiant warrior. Go in this, your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midian as one man. 
It's as if Gideon didn't say nothing. You understand? He said, I'm the least of the least. How am I going to do this? I'm nobody from nowhere. He talked about Texas. I went to Texas. I went back to Texas. I love Texas. I'm a Texan. I was born in Texas. I love to talk about Texas. I love to brag about Texas. But I came here to Tennessee, to this church, and got loved by a body of believers in such a way that I went to Texas and discovered that Texas is a great place to be from. But I didn't want to be in Texas. And Texas was hard. Three years into it, it got worse. Seven years later, it got really, I thought was worse. It got worser. That's more worse, Pastor Tom. More worse. Worser. It was bad. We got through that and then... Man, right before this word of the Lord that I received, I'd made a declaration months before to the church that we were going to shift. The Lord was shifting us. He was shifting us in our direction, what our mission was and all that kind of stuff. And while I was talking, people stood up and walked out. I mean, while I, while I was talking, they didn't even wait till the end. And we had a mass exodus out of our church. And it threw us into a financial turmoil and affected us so adversely that I met with the elders and I said, I just can't carry this, not one more step. And so they said, well, pastor, we won't take this off of you. I said, that sounds good. And they met together without me. And when they got back together, they said that they had the solution and the solution was to stop paying me. He doesn't know this. I haven't told them this. They decided they were going to stop paying me and Rhea. And whenever they got done paying their bills, if they had anything left, I could have a piece of it. That's a true story. Now that's when you got to decide, why am I here? Am I here for a paycheck? Or I'm here because God told me to be here. And if God told me to be here, then I'm going to stay here. And so I heard the Lord say, submit to this. I didn't want to submit to that. Nobody wants to be broke. Right? I got down to my last $200. In my whole name, 200 bucks. It got so excruciating. And we were brushing our teeth that morning. And... The, I heard boom, 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 boom. Rhea's like, what is that? I said, I don't know. I go and look. I come back. I'm white. She goes, what is it? I said, I made a terrible mistake. She said, what? I said, well, before all this happened a couple of months ago, I, I ordered firewood. And I'm supposed to pay for it when he delivers it. And then he didn't deliver it. And then I asked him about it. He said, I'll be there next week. And then he didn't come back. And then I forgot about it. And then they quit paying us. And then he showed up that morning. She goes, well, how much is that going to cost? I said, $200. She goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to help that brother load that wood back up in that truck. In the name of Jesus. 
Uh, she goes, okay, sounds good to me. I go out there. I put my hand on the door to go on the back porch. And I heard the Lord say, you didn't ask me. I said, ask you what? You didn't ask me if I want you to have that firewood. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you didn't ask me. I said, there's nothing to ask you. I don't have any money. He said, yes, you do. I go, no, I don't. Yes, you do. Now, listen, if you was at my house and you walked into my hallway, you would have seen me there like having this conversation like a crazy person. I'm literally out loud going, no, I don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. He's going, yes, you do. Yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. He goes, what's in your pocket? I said, listen, that's grocery money. That ain't, listen, listen, you don't, you don't take the grocery money and buy firewood when it's 85 degrees outside. And you certainly don't do that and go back in the bathroom and tell Rhea that's what you've done. Let me just tell you. I walk back in the bathroom. Boom, boom, boom. Rhea goes, what? I still hear him unloading firewood. I said, what is he? What happened was the Lord said, the Lord said, (laughs) the Lord said. I said, Rhea, I'm telling you, God told me. He goes, what, what, she, what do you use? I said, the, you know, the grocery. You did what? I said, listen to me. The Lord said to give him that money. She looked at me. She goes, the Lord said. I said, yes. She goes, well, if you say the Lord said, I trust you. And she says, what are we going to do? And I said, I asked him that. He said that he was going to give it back to us. She goes, I, she goes, when? I said, I asked him that. She said, well, what did he say, man? I said, he said today. When I said today, you heard ding dong. I'm not making this up. I'm not exaggerating. It's in me, but I'm not doing it right now. I don't have to make this up. I don't have to stretch it. I walked to the door. There was one of my elders. He had this white look on his face. He said, now, pastor, you're not going to believe this. I said, what? He said, now I'm telling you, and this is how he said it. Like he had a Bob Newhart stutter. He said, I just went to the God. I was, listen, I was at the gas station. I said, spit it out, man. He goes, the Lord told me. Now, I don't know what you're going to think about this, Pastor, but I'm telling you. I said, what is it? He goes, the Lord told me to go in there and buy a lottery ticket and bring it to you. He said, now, I know you probably don't believe that. I said, hand me the ticket. He put that ticket in my hand. I shut that door. I didn't even let him finish. I just started looking for a quarter. My, my God, my kingdom for a quarter. I found a quarter. I walked into that bathroom like George Jefferson. I said, (laughs) Rhea said, what is it? I said, you are not going to believe what's in my hand. Baby, that lottery ticket hit. Guess how much? $200. $200. Hey. Later on, I'm sitting outside. The wood is stacked. It's my happy place. I love me some firewood now. I'm sitting out there, I'm rocking, I'm looking at it. I don't have no money. I'm just looking at the wood, trying to get my blood pressure to come down. And the Lord said, look at that. I said, oh, I know Jesus. I love me some wood. 
He goes, no, look higher. I looked higher to the top of the wood was the bottom of a sign that I had made years before painted by a lady in our church that said, Psalm 25, 3, they that put their trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. He said, son, I'm going to buy your groceries. I'm going to pay your bills. I'm going to give you kids a Christmas. And if I want to bring you money from one of your elders on a lottery ticket, I'll even do that. He said, because I am your source. I gave away my last hundred dollars. I can't do math. What's $3,200 divided by a hundred? Huh? I gave away my last hundred dollars 32 times between then and December. Somebody from this church called me standing on a roof. FaceTime me. They don't know how to use FaceTime. I won't mention Gary's name. You don't know which Gary. It's not blunt. (laughs) I didn't mean that ugly. (laughs) So what are you doing, Pastor Buck, on my phone? I said, you call me. He said, how am I seeing your face? I go, it's called FaceTime. He said, I'm trying to get a hold of Jay. Oh, I just gave it away. (laughs) And then he said, I said, you've accidentally called me. He goes, man, I'm standing on the roof. I'm trying to get a hold of him on the other side of the roof. He goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm just sitting here living the dream. He said, hey, what's your address? Sent me a check for $500. Let me tell you something. I was standing in a hole inside of a hole. And the Lord wants to come by and bring all these prophets to our church. And they want to prophesy over me and Rhea and tell us how blessed we are. And then they want to prophesy and say that, that God's gifted us in finance. Then they want to prophesy and say a harvest is coming. They even prophesied that we were going to be kingdom financiers. And I didn't want to hear any of that. Hail Valiant Warrior, shut up. Can I just pay my car payment? How about that? How about we just start with that? You've never lived where I'm living, I guess. But I didn't want to receive that word of the Lord because I was so ticked off about my circumstances. Here he shows up in the middle of my pain, in the, li- in the middle of my struggle, and he wants to give me some hope, and I can't even hear it. Could you? He couldn't. He said, I need a sign. They did a little deal. He, ate, he did all this stuff and then he burned it all up. It was a sign. And then he knew the Lord had been talking to him. <laughs> Gideon, he's a quick one. Then the Lord tells him, look on down. We're going to skip. We're going to read this part. And he says, uh, where is it? Verse 25, now the same night the Lord said to him, take your father's bull and a second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father and cut down the Asherah that's beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly manner and take a second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah, which you shall cut down. Then Gideon took men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him. And because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. 
Okay, listen. Here's the deal. He finally figures out the Lord's talking to him. And then the Lord says, here's what I want you to do. That altar to Baal, I want you to go tear it down. And sit there in town. And the Asherah pole, I want you to cut it down. I want you to take a bull seven years old. And I want you to slit its throat. And set that, that, that altar on fire. And take another bull and slit its throat and put it on top of the Asherah firewood. And set it on fire. Do you know, um, it's really pronounced Baal. Um, do you know what it means? It means the Lord or the Lord of. And it's uh, this false god was known to be Lord of several things. Among other things was he was the Lord of the seasons. He was supposed to be the Lord of the seasons. Asherah is a goddess. You know what she's a goddess of? Fertility. He said, I want you to go down there and I want you to break their altars in two and cut down that pole and take a bull seven years old and slit its throat, sacrifice it on there. <laughs> Here's the deal, people. You ready? I'm coming down here. This is the exit ramp here. I'm going to try to wrap it up. He says... Uh, that Gideon was so spiritual. And that's not what it says. It says he was too afraid to do it by day. So he did it by night. I like that. That helps me. Right? Yes, I got me myself a Holy Ghost loophole right here. Right? Gideon goes, he told me what to do, but he didn't say when to do it, right? So I'm going to round up the boys, and we're going to put on a little bike, you know, makeup and some, you know, ski masks. We're going to go do this at night. So they go do it at night. Guess what, baby? It's all right. Obey the Lord, even if you got to do it scared. It's okay. Even if you got to do it scared, obey the Lord. Walk in a holy yes, even when it costs you. Stand flat-footed and say, I will be anchored in the word. I will say yes to the Holy Spirit. Come what may. I might feel frightened. I might feel anxious. I might be a little stressed out. Let me tell you. The budget that they were on then, we're still on now in August. <coughs> at my church. Every time I have a meeting with the elders, I say, oh, y'all want to, you know, try to change this, you know, get back on a salary. And they're like, uh, no. We need to see, you know, how things are going to go. I'm like, well, they're going. <laughs> things are going. I don't worry with it anymore. You know why? Because I gave away my last hundred dollars 32 times. That means the first time I did it, there was 31 more coming my way. You understand? And the more I gave, the more God blessed. Now listen, I showed up at a service at the end of all that, the end of that year. And the Lord pointed me out in, in that crowd and said to me, another prophecy. 
You're going to have the gladness as with those who divide the spoil. I'm like, I've been dividing the spoil. Spoiled. <laughs> right? No. Listen. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't promise harvest, right? He promised gladness like at harvest. Get it? Joy in the middle of sorrow. Turning my mourning into dancing. It's a, it's a transaction that only God can do to where he can give you something without giving you what you think he's got to give you to get you what you need. Right? It's not going to come the way you thought it was going to come. It's not going to happen the way that you wanted it to, the way you prayed for, the way you were, the way you demanded, the way we want to control it, the way we want to. It doesn't come that way. Sometimes it comes and it's through hardship and hard times and dry times and famine and pestilence and war. You listen to me. Hear the word of the Lord. To this body. You had seven years. Seven years of hard times. And God just sent some overweight Texan to tell you. In the middle of that hole. Hail valiant warrior. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you and you're going to deliver. You're not just going to be able to eat some bread, which is all he wanted. He'd have been satisfied to beat that out in the outside threshing floor. But God said, no, you're going to defeat Midian as one man. You're going to do exactly what I've sent you to do, what I created you to do. I see you. You don't see you right now. You see the pain. You see the hurt. You see the struggle, the rejection. You see the famine. You see the army that's encamped about you. But today, prophetically, God wants you to open up your eyes and understand who you really are. You are all that he says that you are. Not what your situation says. Not what your circumstances say. And he wants you to go and tear down the altar to these false gods that have told you they are in charge of your season. They are the ones who determine your fruitfulness. And he's going to have you march a bull that is seven years old. That's walked every single day of your calamity. Every single moment that Midian had been there, that bull had been alive. slit its throat and let that last seven years bleed out on the heap of the false god and in that moment God changed his name to Jerubbaal he'll contend with Baal let Baal let Baal Contend for himself, they said. And then he took his 32,000 men and said, you got too many. We got to the first of the year. We needed a new building for our church. 
We'd saved up some money, gotten out of the hole. They had gotten out of the hole. I was still personally in the hole. But the church had gotten out of the hole. Praise his name. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. I'm healed. <laughs> you can tell. Listen. Got into that meeting. They said, we're going to need money for the downtown payment. We got so much in savings. One of the elders said, is anybody hearing anything radical? I said, yeah. I said, I, I think we should give $3,000 away. The elder said, I heard the Lord say, give it all away. I said, well, I was, I was hesitant to mention the $3,000 because I didn't think that that would pass. But now I think it's got a chance. <laughs> I said, let's pray. If we can't hear from God, we're not supposed to be elders. We prayed. We gave all our money away. I said, they said, what did you hear, Pastor, when we prayed? I said, I heard the Lord say, you got too much money. I've just come by to tell you today. Let him take your men. Let him whittle down your army. Tell all the scaredy cats to go home. Leave you with a, I don't know, 10,000. And then take them down to the brook and he leaves you with 300 dog lapping dudes. And then he tells you, don't take spear, sword, or any weaponry. Take a horn. Take a trumpet and a flashlight. (laughs) And the 300 of you. In three groups of 100, go attack 150,000. And if you don't know that you're a valiant warrior, and if you are not, if you're not hearing the word of the Lord that you are who he says that you are, you can't do that. Because you're going to want all the weapons and all the manpower that you can get your hands on because that's what we want. But God is saying to you today, you don't need all that stuff. I've got it. I'm all you need. I am enough. I am enough. Those guys stood there with flutes and flashlights and defeated that whole army (laughs) as one man. You know how Gideon knew it was time to go? It was a vision that he heard one of the campers say to the other camper. I had a dream and I saw a loaf of bread rolling into the camp of Midian and destroying it. Baby, I don't have enough time today to develop all this. I'm trying to go as fast as I can. It's hard for me. It takes me 20 minutes just to say hello. But that's when Gideon knew. And he quit laying fleeces and stopped asking for signs. Because the Lord in his hilarity gave somebody the vision of a loaf of bread. Defeating Midian. I got a picture of him standing there. Hail, valiant warrior, and he looks up and he's holding a loaf of bread. Not a sword, not a spear. And God said, I can defeat Midian with that. Flutes and flashlights, dog lapping dudes. You think you got problems. You think your provision isn't enough. That's because we're not convinced that he is enough. 
So, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. They looked for robes of purple and crowns of gold. But it would be a little boy born in Bethlehem, a little hamlet that nobody cared about. A place, by the way, that means house of bread. Be laid in a manger, in a stable. Christ the Lord. And he would redeem. And he would roll back so that we can have the gladness of the spoil. The joy of harvest. I'm here to tell you today, your season is changing. And the gods that had tried to control your season are going to be torn in two. And the false goddess who's tried to stop your womb from bearing fruit is going to be cut down. And all of it is going to be set ablaze. And there'll be a sacrifice that'll represent every single day of your struggle. And it'll be a sweet smelling savor in God's nostrils. Because your season is changing. Hail valiant warriors. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Come on, Pastor. The Lord is with you. Everyone stand to your feet, please. Unseen, unseen design of his purpose from the world beyond me. Untapped deposit from the world within me. And today he's brought somebody to say, it's time for you to declare a demonstration of those in the world around you. Listen to me. Seven years ago, I stood here in 60 days. Seven years ago, I stood here and read Isaiah 9 and Judges 6 and 7. Judges 9, excuse me, Isaiah 9 points forward to the birth of Christ. Listen to me. It was still 600 years from that time. And this would be the pronouncements of the birth of Christ. And I said, when Jesus showed up, the people who had walked in darkness had walked there for 650 years. And they didn't know it was ever going to end. And said to you that Isaiah 9 was a declaration of a coming Messiah, of the end of between. What happens when between lasts so long that you don't know it's between anymore? When between goes on so long that you don't have any thought that it's between. It's forever. If you're here today, I want the chance to pray with every person here that will allow me to, because I'm standing before you today making the declaration of a demonstration of the end of between the household of New Hope. And you are going to see it in the days ahead. We're standing there. You say, what does that mean? I'll tell you. I have an understanding of what it means. I'll tell you, it's not far. If you're here today and you're in the hole 
of a hole of a hole. I don't know what that means to you. I don't know if it's burdened for a family member, a problem you've been going through, or something God's brought back to mind that your current state of mind about it has become just an acceptable reality and God's stirring your heart and saying, I want you to now, having seen the unseen design beyond the world, the untapped deposit within your world, within you, it's time for you to declare that that is going to be demonstrated in the world around you. O valiant warrior. I've seen you move. You've moved mountains. And I believe we'll see you do it again. If you're here today, I want the chance to agree with you in prayer simply. This prayer. Father, manifest a demonstration of it in their life. I want you to move out from where you're standing. I want to do, I want to stand in front of you, Matthew 18, and say, Father, we make binding the word of the Lord to this person, to this family. I want you to move out from where you are. Come on, baby. I want you to pray with them. Okay? Prayer counselors and elders. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.